to the Sabbath School Bible Study Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 25th. I invite you to pause this audio right now so that you can have your moment with God and ask Him for His guidance as you study His Word. And I'll be right back. A Feeling and Suffering Servant Who is God's servant in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 12? Let's read. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother he named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadows of his hand he has concealed me, and he has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity, Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord, and my reward with my God. And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to be despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see and arise, princes will also bow down, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, In a favorable time I have answered you, And in a day of salvation I have helped you, and I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people, to restore the land, to make them inherit the desolate heritages, saying to those who are bound, Go forth, to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Along the roads they will feed, and their pasture will be on all bare heights. They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to springs of water. I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways will be raised up. Behold, these will come from afar, 
and lo, these will come from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinan. God calls and names him before he is born, makes his mouth like a sword, and will be glorified in him. God uses the servant to bring the nation of Israel back to himself, to be a light of salvation to all the world, to be a covenant, and to release prisoners. There is plenty of overlap between this description and that of Isaiah chapter 42, where we identified the servant as the Messiah. The New Testament finds the servant's attributes in Jesus Christ in both comings. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, John chapter 8 verse 12, John chapter 9 verse 5, John chapter 17 verses 1 through 5, Revelation chapter 1 verse 16, Revelation chapter 2 verse 16, In Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. If this servant is the Messiah, why does God call him Israel? In chapter 49, verse 3. Earlier we found that in this section of Isaiah, God's servant Israel slash Jacob refers to the nation. But here the name Israel without a parallel reference to Jacob, clearly applies to the individual servant who restores the nation to God. The individual servant has become the ideal embodiment or representative of the nation whose failure has compromised its use of the name Israel. What new element appears here? In Isaiah chapter 49, verses 4 and 7, here is the first intimation of the difficulty involved in the servant's task. He laments, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Verse 4, an idea echoed in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. An anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. But he clings to faith, yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward is with God. Verse 4 Alec Mortier observes, Thus Isaiah first saw a servant with a real human nature, tested like we are, and proving himself to be the author and perfecter of the way of faith, a real personal faith that can still say, my God, when nothing any longer seems worthwhile. The prophecy of Isaiah, an introduction and commentary, 1993, page 387. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 7 is startling. The servant is deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. But the Lord says of him, Kings shall see and stand up, 
princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Question. Look back at Christ's ministry. Right up until the end, didn't he have reasons for discouragement? Yet, he stayed faithful despite outward appearances. What is the lesson for us to do the same, despite outward appearances? Additional reading, select the quotes from Ellen White. In the later centuries of Israel's history, prior to the first advent, it was generally understood that the coming of the Messiah was referred to in the prophecy. Quote, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Unquote. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. It was to Christ that the prophetic promise was given. Quote, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth. Thus saith the Lord, I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth, to them that are in the darkness, show yourselves. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. Unquote. Isaiah chapter 49 verses 7 through 10 Prophets and Kings Pages 688, 689. As the world's Redeemer, Christ was constantly confronted with apparent failure. He, the messenger of mercy to our world, seemed to do little of the work he longed to do in uplifting and saving. Satanic influences were constantly working to oppose his way, but he would not be discouraged. Upon the promises in God's word, Jesus rested, and he gave Satan no advantage. When the last steps of Christ's humiliation were to be taken, when the deepest sorrow was closing about his soul, he said to his disciples, quote, The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Unquote. Quote, the prince of this world is judged. Unquote. Now shall he be cast out. John chapter 14, verse 30, 
chapter 16, verse 11, chapter 12, verse 31, The Desire of Ages, pages 678, 679. In every trial we have strong consolation. Is not our Saviour's touched with the feeling of our infirmities? Has he not been tempted in all points like as we are? And has he not invited us to take every trial and perplexity to him? Then let us not make ourselves miserable over tomorrow's burdens. Bravely and cheerfully carry the burdens of today. Today's trust and faith we must have, but we are not asked to live more than a day at a time. He who gives strength for today will give strength for tomorrow. Nothing wounds the soul like the sharp darts of unbelief. When trial comes, as it will, do not worry or complain. Silence in the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. Quote, then are they glad because they be quiet. Unquote. Psalm 107 verse 30. Remember that underneath you are the everlasting arms. Quote, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Unquote. Psalm 37 verse 7. He is guiding you unto a harbor of gracious experience. In Heavenly Places, page 269. And that is all for today. Please subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for new episodes and special content.